I already have like opening music and everything I can <gasps> show you. Yes, please. Nice. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. Right. Uh, welcome to Rewatched Revisited. I am your host, Lou, and I'm here with Lara today. Hello. <laughs> and uh, we're recording this as the second episode, but we'll see. Maybe it's the third, maybe it's the first, maybe it's the fifth. We don't know how they air <laughs> yet. Um, okay, yeah. so... This is a nerd podcast. Uh, we'll be talking about films and TV shows that we like, that we have rewatched, and that we want to revisit. And we will just point out stuff that we're interested in. Um, I come from mainly literature, linguistics, theater, narratology, and I'm here with Lara. Yes, and I come from psychology. <laughs> so I'm getting my master's degree yes. right now. Very exciting. And um, I will have some other co-hosts on the show as time goes by. Stay tuned, I guess. Uh, if you'd like to support this show, I created a Patreon. Right now it's empty. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be empty when this comes out. <laughs> Maybe it's empty. Maybe go check it out. Um, but it's basically just like bonus episodes that kind of don't fit into the main feed. Maybe we want to discuss other things. Um, we also realized after recording our first episodes <laughs> that we might put on... A put on some uh, outtakes because we did have a like a discussion oh, about yeah, kids least, and yeah. <laughs> her age and yes underage weddings Under <laughs> <laughs> yes so if you're interested in supporting the show at uh, patreon.com slash revisited and if you don't want to support the show that's also totally fine because life is expensive um i have a tumblr account we have a tumblr account at rewatch revisited and uh I'll put the links where links are. And Lara, in this yes. episode, let me pull up my notes. I'm so excited because I'm a total noob with all of that like analysis stuff. So I'm really excited. Yes, and I, as I said, I'm very into narratology. So this is this is my this is my shit. This is such yes. my shit. So today, um, I would like to talk about character foils how willow does character foils and i want to um talk about how it's like literally i th like in my opinion one of the biggest strengths of willow just like how they do character foils ah i'm super excited <laughs> yeah, I, I can't and I, I have notes but they are all yes. over the place sorry i'm blowing my microphone here because i talk so loud <laughs> <laughs> um so before we start i'm a huge fan of character foils it's such my shit so i might go off and talk about them and aspects of them that seem clear to me so please do interrupt me whenever yes, it's I will. like what lou yeah. what are you on yes, yes. i will <laughs> yes because i can get very into my hyper focus um and i think willow does foils in an extremely beautiful way and i think personally i've only seen foils done better in like one other show like Ooh. in the last few years and that was arcane oh and arcane is fabulous yes it and is it's literally arcane is like foils to show um <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get into it um and it's it's also kind of like once you start seeing the foils in willow you can't unsee them and you start seeing more so like oh wow i, I kind of i try to structure this episode as like an eye opener 
on like telling you what foils are, how you how to spot mm-hmm. them, how they work. Oh, um, that's great! I'm so excited. Yes, yes. Okay, so first things first, Lara. Do you know what foils are? Can you explain <laughs> to me what foils are? I actually don't. I just heard you talk about them a lot. So what I've gathered from you talking about, is it like, how should I say this? Like a character's like main thing, main trait? I don't know. No, not okay. quite. So I, I actually, I looked up the definition of, oh, of foils. Awesome. And it's it's actually really easy. I just, I struggle to explain it sometimes. So the definition of uh, character foils or a character foil is that character foils are two characters specifically set in a oh. contrast that highlight the differences between them. So it's always two characters that have to have some similarities and some contrast. For example, um, Sherlock and Watson. Yes. That is like, I think the most like mm-hmm. uh, one fo- character foil pair <laughs> that mm-hmm. most people will know about. But then also I, I talked about Arcane. So like Evander and Zilko would yes. also be like two archetypical dad mm-hmm. archetypes foiled. Um, but you also have Vi and Jinx. Yes. You would also have Vi and Caitlin. Mm-hmm. So like you have these kind of like opposing characters in a way. Wow, interesting. Yes, and we have a lot of that in Willow. I have a first question, if that's okay. Hit me. So does kind of need the characters to be like, one-dimensional would be the wrong word, but there would have to be like strong differences there for it to work yeah i mean foils can be there can be like weak foils i can i'll call them weak foils for Mm -hmm. now or or stronger foils for example i would say that vander and silko and watson and sherlock are like extremely strong foils Mm -hmm. but you can also have like subtle or like hermione and ron would also function as foils voldemort and harry um, but you can have like very, very subtle foils that would maybe on first glance not seem mm-hmm. like they are foils. Like, for example, if we're talking Harry Potter, Fred and George yes. can be read as foils, oh, wow. but they don't necessarily contrast each other. Mm-hmm. Like they, they function as one in the narrative, but they do foil each other. And sorry, you might have to cut this out, but I have another question. So do people write characters with foils in mind is that like a starting point kind of for your story it can be a starting point and we will get to what foils functionally do in the story (laughs) a little bit later that is one point i'm gonna get into um but yes sometimes you create foils because like on accident essentially Mm -hmm. but usually what you see with more skilled writers and i would assume that willow has like a writer's table that is fairly skilled um that you put them in um, on purpose and with the amount of foils we have in Willow this is deliberate okay yeah and I think to awesome. to explain how it works we're gonna focus in on Kit and Elora yay as two foils you're surprised by this or no, no? absolutely not you talk about them all the time <laughs> <laughs> it's what I do yes okay you so. love them t- together especially oh my god yes 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 just yes <laughs> Okay, so 
Point one for me is what do foils need to work and um, how do like Alora and Kit have these traits? So they need similarity and contrast. Similarity we have from the get-go that they are both young women growing up in the castle. We have as a similar similarity from the get-go that they love Eric um, and that they both go on the quest to save him, essentially. Like, that's what we get, like, in episode one. We get a lot more similarities as, like, the story progresses, obviously, but usually the way foils work is that they are set up quite quickly so that you you see the similarities and the contrast quite quickly, like, usually in the first episode or first act if it's a it's a film um and then later we also learn that they are both somehow sorcia's daughter ish oh and yes. we learn that they are both extremely powerful and resourceful women like that's more towards the end mm-hmm. so like the the similarities keep showing up um and then as contrast from the get-go we have that one of the girls is a kitchen staff so like fairly low mm-hmm. on the ladder yes. <laughs> in the castle and one is the literal princess mm-hmm. so like you have a pretty big difference there um you have sisterly love versus romantic love mm-hmm. for eric and by the way they're going on the quest you have that one is like literally the one volunteering like i go on the quest i'm leading this and the other one sneaks off in the middle of the night and it's like i'm just gonna follow them so interesting yes yeah I'm, yeah Yes, I'm very excited. <laughs> and then later we learned that also, like, from the skills that they develop, we learned that, like, one is extremely good with people and, like, mm-hmm. makes fast friends mm-hmm. and seems, like, super, like, empath-y. Mm-hmm. And one has trouble interacting. Really? In the, in, <laughs> and comes across surprise. As, as very rough. And then we, like, the, I mean, the, the contrast keeps going. Like, one is bad with a sword and the other one is like gets really skilled at it well one has magic the other one does not etc etc but this is kind of like the the beginning of their like their setup essentially as character foils so next point is what's the function of these foils and also why do i love them so much it's like literally a bullet point (laughs) i love that (laughs) so from what fun- what foils do is like generally foils narrow the narrative focus. So it's used to zoom in on what's important. Like they're not telling us um, Kit likes grapefruit and Alora <laughs> only eats meat, right? That's, that's <laughs> A plus example. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But that's like, you, or like we're, we're not being told that Kit is a really strong swimmer and Alora is a fast runner, right? Oh. So the, the foils are yeah. already telling us things that will be important wow. in the story. And they are focusing in on that. So I have as an example, contrasting Kit's struggle with people mm-hmm. is showing, like is highlighting how easy Alora makes friends and vice versa. And we, by by having that a central foil of mm-hmm. these two characters, we already know that that's going to be a struggle in the season. Like that's something that's going to keep on being either in their way or a way that they go forward. Like I would argue that it's a central struggle of Kit to overcome <laughs> her being horrible with people. Like yes, in the I end, would she's, agree. Right? Yeah. In the end, she's fine. So... 
should grow more, but she's yes, decent. yeah, she's much better. Yeah, than at the beginning. And Elora has to set boundaries and mm -hmm. become a little bit more selfish. Yes. So by f having these two characters like mirroring these specific traits, we have a narrative focus. <laughs> <laughs> This is a podcast, Laura. Oh, <laughs> the people can't see. I just like, this just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I only realized kind of recently, like everything you see in a movie or TV show is deliberate. Like nothing, or you would hope that nothing is there just by accident. Yeah, in a, in a good show or in a good film, yes. you only see what you need to see. Yes, and so... I think if you like know what to look for, those details, or not even details, just things, can already tell you so much, and that is just so interesting because, of course, I like saw the differences, like being good with people or less good with people, but I didn't think about the things that they didn't tell us. Yeah, like yeah. you just said. Which is a hard thing to keep in mind. Like, okay, what did, didn't they tell us about yeah. the character? But also you don't really need to think about that because they no. didn't tell you because yeah. it's not important for the yeah. story they're telling. So interesting. Oh, this is so good already. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so second function of foils. Foils are a shorthand for character exposition. Mm -hmm. So when you establish um, traits of one or of one part of the foils, you don't need to establish the opposite in another. So, for example, if you establish that, like, one person is shy, you don't necessarily need to show us that the other person is extroverted because we can gather, because we know oh, wow. they function as foils. And we, especially in Western storytelling, are so used to symmetrical storytelling that we know, like, if they're foils and one person is shy, their other person is extroverted. So it's a, a shorthand for exposition. Sorry, is that why, like, when you see, like, best friends on TV, one is almost always, like, shy, nerdy, yeah. the other one is, like, very popular? Yeah. Oh. Because it's it's super easy. You don't yeah. need to give them a lot of exposition. You can literally say, oh, my God, he's such a jock. Who's his best friend? Probably someone who's not sporty. Yes. Right? Or you see someone in the library with, like, glasses studying and then, like, their best friend is the cool person. Yes. You know this. Yeah. Yeah. This is how foils work. Wow. And that's why that's why they're so like they're such a shorthand. Yeah. Especially when you have like limited time mm -hmm. to show who people are yes. because you have other things you want to tell in the story. Yeah. So, for example, um in episode four, when Elora is cutting open the animal and Kid is like standing behind her super disgusted. It's nice that they show us, but we didn't need to see this because by having a Laura be a cook, we already know Kit can't cook for shit. We know this. Oh, wow. And we also know that if a Laura is not disgusted by a, an animal that she's mm. literally cutting open, Kit will be. Oh, my God. And that's the why this scene can last two seconds. Mm -hmm. And we know because it makes sense. Yeah. Right? And then also, like I said earlier, we already know from episode one that Alora is not a fighter because Kit's opening shot was being a fighter. Wow, so it shouldn't be surprising that when Kit asks Alora, have you ever been in a fight? We <laughs> know that she's not in a she wasn't in a fight. Yeah. Like the audience already knows this. 
Wow. And that's oh, why I have so many follow-up questions, but please I mean, continue. I mean, please do. I only have one more function. So Okay. So it it kind of seems like psychological as well that they do this because our brains are always looking for like patterns yes. and symmetry. Mm-hmm. So oh, it's just like using the brain to yeah. make the storytelling like easier. Yeah, and more interesting, right? Yeah. Because what is storytelling? <clears throat> I mean, storytelling is highly psychological. Yeah, right? that's true. Yeah, and uh, the third function of foils is, I, I think I already mentioned it, but foils add to symmetrical storytelling. And in the Western world, we love <laughs> symmetrical storytelling. Uh, you you mentioned that it's also like a psychological thing to like look for symmetry. It's just kind of how we work and like also how we've we've been conditioned now especially like in the since film and tv that we like look for symmetry and i I find it very interesting because symmetry can be a lot of things like symmetry can be like character foils which is like like in the in in just two characters you can have symmetry but you can also have like symmetry in the in bigger structures like um what the force podcast Shout out, by the way, I love your podcast. Yes, you guys are great. <laughs> so much. Like what the force referred to it, to symmetry in storytelling as like macro and micro or like as as above, so below. That's all, that's all symmetry. That's all stuff that makes people who consume a story very, very happy. <laughs> and that's exactly also what foils do. Like they are a very satisfying thing to, mm-hmm. have, in a, to have in a story. Yes. Do you think that a good story needs foils? I think all the stories that I think are really good are filled with foils. Okay. So I I don't think it's impossible to like have zero foils and have a great story, but there will be symmetry in your story, whether you have foils or no. And as soon as you have symmetry, (laughs) there will be some sort of foil. So yeah, I I think it's a catch to any two. (laughs) <laughs> okay oh yeah i see i see just because you mentioned like western storytelling if we didn't grow up like that accustomed mm. to like foils if maybe that would be different but maybe like if we had a complete different structure of how yeah. we tell story i don't know yeah. i know i know too yeah. little i just i i point out western yes. to say that i have no idea about of other course. culture storytelling yeah. yes <laughs> that's yeah not a thing i know again like to stay with willow you do kind of have to have stuff mirroring each other like for example in episode one where they fight the gales and lose we know that they're gonna have to fight the gales again Mm -hmm. and they'll have to win or lose in in an even bigger scale yes right yeah it's one or the other they can't not meet them again Mm -hmm. right yeah because that's how symmetry works yeah Oh, that's so interesting because I just thought of some TV shows that like after winning like three times, it's like, okay, now they have to lose because they just can't keep on winning because it will get boring. Yeah. Yeah. We get bored. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So um, that was my pitch on (laughs) Kitten and Laura so far and why I love them so much as foils. And um, I told this to a friend of mine who'd watched the show. And she was like, yeah, I see your point, but like maybe it's not deliberate. 
So I pulled some receipts and uh, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so I'm pulling, I shall be pulling some receipts. Please. Because, because to be fair, sometimes foils exist just mm. because that's just how it happens. And maybe it's not deliberate from the writer's point of view, but it like, I, f- I feel like Legends of Tomorrow had a lot of accidental foils that were not necessarily written as such. But it worked in the storytelling. But I feel like Willow was extremely mm-hmm. de- deliberate. Um, so we have in episode one, we have the fact that Kit is the one who takes Elora on her horse. It could have been anyone. There was a free horse. But to show that they are foils, they would have to ride together. Wow, yeah. Be- anyone could have, like, mm-hmm. they were, everyone liked Elora more than Kit. Yes, <laughs> but absolutely. yet it was Kit who stayed behind and got her. Um, we have then in episode three where it's Kit who sees that Elora grew the Eckleberry bush mm-hmm. because we know that Elora probably wouldn't believe anyone else but her foil. Like maybe if oh. Graydon would have said it, she would have been like, uh, you might be lying to me to boost my confidence. Mm-hmm. Then we have episode four where we have a literal shot of them in the hallway sitting across of each other, literally mirroring each other. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. Thank you for making it obvious. What is subtext? <laughs> there it is, doesn't exist. <laughs> there is no subtext in Willow. <laughs> um, we have in episode five when it has to be Laura to give Kit advice for Jade. And also it Ooh. has to be Laura to point out that Kit is in love with Jade. We have episode six when Kit's get, Kit gets mad at Laura. The whole bottom of the mind scene. We know that it has to mm-hmm. be Laura who saves Kit's life. We just know this. We have episode seven where, I mean, they have two big scenes in episode seven. One is where they are literally standing in the night telling each other, hey, I think I'm a foil because I always wanted to be a princess and you really didn't. (laughs) And look at how we're mirroring each other. So it's like a very much on the nose, like the writers going, we know, we know what we're doing. This is so great. And then obviously how they fall down the waterfall. It has to be the two of them. And which is like a thing that's very interesting that I could probably also fill a whole episode on is how in episode eight, they kind of function as one person. I think uh, I think Missy at What the Force pointed this out, that they function as like a two-headed dragon. I probably wouldn't call it dragon, but they are melted foils. They even have this scene where in the beginning, they stand back to back and keep rotating yes. as if they were yeah. like tied by uh-huh. the hips or something. So like... This is a a very lovely, like, coming together of foils, essentially. But you still have them in the final battle fight their own fights. And so, yes. So uh, just to to say that this is very deliberate by by the writers. That is so interesting. So can you kind of predict where the story goes once you know, like, foils... It definitely helps, yeah. Like, I th- I think it's, or like for me at least, it's less being able to predict what's going to happen and more a knowing what's not going to happen. Oh. Kit can't die without Elora dying too, right? And Elora can't make a huge, like, transform into someone else without Kit growing as well. That's why, like, in the, I think in the whole season, season one of Willow, these two had to grow because Alora Dannon needed to grow and Kit has to grow with her. She 
couldn't remain stagnant, right? And it's also like one can turn evil, but it's highly likely that the other then will either also turn evil with her or like go e even more good <laughs> or something, right? It's, it's less a, I know what's going to happen, but more a, I know what's not going to happen. Oh, that it is still blowing my mind. So if they would like, like at the end of episode six, when Kit falls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you knew that this wasn't going to be her death. I've thought so much about this <laughs> and I, I don't think I, I have an answer that I'm satisfied with. But I was like, so either this is going to be Elora saving Kit's life and then Kit turning either to be a better person mm -hmm. or to be truly like Bavmorda. Yes. It could have gone both ways. Um, or Elora is going to go with her. I was like, if Elora oh. can't save Kit, Elora mm -hmm. is not leaving these mines. That, uh, that's what I was thinking. I yeah. was like, because they couldn't split off here. That would... That wouldn't have worked in my in my narrative structure brain. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. Either Kit is stuck and Elora will be stuck here as well, mm -hmm. or Elora can save Kit, and then we'll see where their dynamic goes from here. So interesting. Yes. So I, I just keep <laughs> repeating all of the same phrases. <laughs> Sorry, um, but yeah, it's all good so good i am i am basically done i have some closing notes yes, that i would please. like to give to this episode so one closing note on foils uh because i think i'm going to talk a lot about foils in the future so it's good to have like a good grasp on them um one character can have multiple foils mm -hmm. so um both kit and elora have more foils than just one another so the most obvious two for kit are obviously eric because twin twins are usually foils and jade jade is i would say is also a foil of kit and the most obvious ones for elora are graydon mm -hmm. and the crone so like oh. like elora has a light foil oh, by the yeah. beginning <laughs> in the <laughs> end not so much and a dark foil yes um Although the crone could arguably also be a foil for Kit. Like the, the whole thing is interconnected, obviously. Then the second note I would like to give is that two characters who were set up as foils don't necessarily have to remain foils. Um, and also their dynamic can shift. So um, the relationship between Kit and Elora has already shifted. And I would still argue that they are foils by the end of episode eight. But that doesn't have to be the case in like in season two. Like they can, they don't necessarily have to remain foils if they have been set up as those. Does there have to be like a definitive split? Like, do we, as the people watching it, do we know when this happens, or is it just gonna be like sometime you're gonna be like, oh, that is not here anymore. The foils aren't here anymore. I think usually usually it's actually more of a... I mean, the obvious one would be like if a character leaves, they stop being a foil, obviously. And also if a character dies, mm -hmm. like if the other character... Like if, if that character dies and there's no more contact because, yeah. you know, it's fantasy and that people yes. don't necessarily... <laughs> la -di -da -di -da um, but if, if a character leaves by way of dying or leaving the show or leaving for the quest, then they usually stop being foils. In other scenarios, it's actually more likely that 
they that their dynamic switches. So I also have some notes on that. So foils are usually lovers, opponents, or siblings. And they tend to like just shift in these little categories. So for Mm -hmm. example, siblings can become opponents. We have seen that. Lovers can become opponents, but you can also find your opponent as your sibling. Oh. Right? Yes. So we have, um, for example, like Jade, Finding a sibling mm-hmm. in Scorpia. We have Kit finding an opponent in Eric. We have a Laura about to find an opponent in her lover, Graydon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, usually they shift categories. And I really hope that your sibling doesn't become your lover. No, but, please. <laughs> no. But other than that, like yes. they can shift freely. <laughs> oh, imagine that being like a trope. Yeah, I mean, look, sibling can be an open term. Sibling, I would also say that Alora and Kit are right now siblings. Yeah, and you ship them, so... <laughs> Stop! Incest? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> no, but, but I mean, what I'm saying is, like, sibling doesn't necessarily have to mean blood sibling. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think that, that would be my closing remarks on, on foils. I think on, on foils in Willow, I will have... <laughs> future episodes because i picked out kit and alora because they are the archetypical like very easy to spot very textbook foils but alone in the like in the main gang we have like they're all foils of each other like jade and scorpio obviously and mm-hmm. scorpio and borman borman and jade and like in the main gang we have borman and jade as the two foils we have graden and willow and we have alora and kit because like alora and kit are i mean we already talked about them but then we have like the archetypical sorcerer or wizard in Graydon and Willow so like these two kind of mirror each other and we have the archetypical fighter and one is a rogue fighter and one is like almost a paladin-esque like low-bound fighter oh my god so interesting please tell me all about it I can't wait wait to hear (laughs) yeah so that's kind of that's why I call this episode like maybe a bit of an eye-opener episode because I feel like once you know what a foil is Uh uh-huh especially in Willow, you start to see them everywhere. Yeah, this has definitely opened my eyes. So thank you so much <laughs> for telling me all about it. I went on a half an hour rant. I didn't breathe. No. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so that's that's my take on foils. I, you see, I'm very uh, excited about foils. and I will have more episodes on them. Find your foil in real life. Yes, find your foil. <laughs> find your opponent in real life. Yes. Make your sibling your opponent and then your lover. <laughs> Amazing. Perfect. That's what I've... That's Siblings what... to opponents to lovers? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's also like to circle it back to like storytelling is psychological and we like look for the same things over and over again. Mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't love a good enemies to lovers? That's a foil switching into another foil. It's like opponent to lover, right? Yes. That's why we are drawn to this, because there's a symmetry there that we kind of crave. All right. I think we have. Yes, that's that's our cue. cue. (laughs) Uh, Go make your sibling your lover. Goodbye. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 